0: You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com.
1: You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen.
2: love it when we're recording episodes and my <laughs> wife is talking on the air before she even realized she's talking on the air.
0: Yeah, I just said... Uh, well, welcome to Sexy Marriage uh, Radio. You're going to use that later, <laughs> aren't you? At some I?
2: point, that will come back to you. Today. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside my wife, Pam. <laughs> we are excited each and every week that you guys uh, take a little bit of time out of your week to spend it with us. I'm just coming off of another week-long excursion of training with Dr. David Schnarch. It was last week. Yeah. And my head is still swimming <laughs> with the amount of information we cover during those times each year.
0: And I'm still saying, dumb it down for me, dumb <laughs> it down for me, dumb it down for me.
2: <laughs> and I'm working on it, but I still got to make sense of all of that just came in because yeah. it's a tsunami of information on just dealing with brain processes and how that all plays out. And then what do I do with it? What do I, how do I make sense of it Yeah, and use it? Because I want to steer it towards the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. Because I think um, a lot of the information that I keep coming across can now always be assimilated and, and useful to married people in dealing with life better and dealing with marriage better. Because mm-hmm. what we really hope with the Sexy Marriage Radio and its nation is that the best sex happens as they continue in this process because it is a long game.
0: Well, it's not even just that. It's just having a better life and a fuller life and leaving a legacy um, for generations to come. That's, that's really the dream for the nation, right? Exactly. Is that we've got better relationships and better legacies.
2: Exactly. And, and we hope that you will join us in this as part of the sexy marriage radio nation. And the way you can do that is you can jump on and give us a call at 214-702-9565. Leave us any kind of a voicemail with your question, your thought, uh, your concern, whatever it is that you want to share. Uh, we'd love to get your voice and, and, and add it to the conversation. Or you can jump on the inbox at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And again, you got a question that you want to ask, and you're not sure where to ask it, we'll answer it. Send it to us. Sometimes those become segments of the show, and they help steer the conversation. Sometimes it takes place uh, offline, and we'll just interact with you back and forth via email. Yeah. Because we want to try to be a service and of help to you as you move forward in your relationship. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio is a conversation that I got to have with Dr. Sarah Hunter Murray. Okay. And she has a new book out that is called Not Always in the Mood. And it's really geared towards the science of men, sex, and relationships. Is that right? Because okay. she was doing some research and then started getting a, a an inkling that you know, men have the stereotypical, oh they're always ready. They'll mm-hmm. take it every time and, and not so much. As she started getting into it, she realized that could still tend to be more towards the true side, but there's also a whole lot of other stuff underneath it that she found men were really willing and, and interested to talk about. Okay. And so we have a conversation in the in the first part of our show that's just about her work and what she's discovered when it comes to men and sexuality. That'll be interesting. And it's, it's a fascinating conversation because it's not something that's carried. Real far mm-hmm. because a lot of the a lot of it goes towards well, how do we get women in the mood? they're much more complicated rather than men have a a, a, a similar path that there's a lot of similarity, but it's just not talked about
0: yeah, I mean men are complicated too, right <laughs> yeah. it, It's not like there's one gender that beats the other on no, that one
2: not at all, and then coming up on to the, the regular the free version Oh I'm just stumbling over this. And coming up on the extended version of Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper and longer and there's no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com. Um, Dr. Sarah Hunter-Murray joins me to answer a question from the uh, nation that came in.
0: Great. Like an email or an e- on Slack? Or? An email
2: that came in okay. uh, from a husband that's, that has this issue that after a little bit of a dry spell... Um, His wife initiated sex Mm -hmm. and said, I did it because I know you need it. Okay. And that kind of threw him for a loop because he realized, well, it's it's true, but it really creates this real one-sided nature.
0: That's not what he wanted. Right. He wasn't too excited about it it because that's why she was doing it.
2: It kind of made him start thinking, well, it's all just about him. And what does that do? And so I thought, all right. I have at my disposal uh, uh, another clinician. Mm-hmm. Let's tackle this. And that's kind of what her focus side. was, right? With Absolutely. Her book? And okay. so on the extended version, she and I answer that question. Excellent. And to the, to the, the man that emailed, the husband that emailed, um, I'm, I'm back-channeling you via email to get you access to the extended content. But if you listen to this and you haven't seen that email, and you were the one that sent me this email and I know who you are, I will get you the extended content if you're not an Academy member already. Yeah. So all that's coming up on today's show. Well, joining me today for Sexy Marriage Radio is Dr. Sarah Hunter-Murray, and she has a new book out that's entitled Not Always in the Mood, The New Science of Men, Sex, and Relationships. And it's I got to start there, Sarah, just because it's it's the glaring uh, thing that has to be asked right off the bat. It's a woman writing a book for men. At least mm-hmm. that's the way it's framed. I know that's not what it is. It, it, From what you do, it's to everybody. But you've really tried to tackle the side of men in relationships, which as a man, thank you for what you're doing <laughs> for this. But thank also, <laughs> also, also um, how did you get to this? How did, how did this come to be?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really important um question. And, um, you know, what I would say is I, I I have a PhD in human sexuality. And so I studied sexual desire specifically um, throughout my master's and my PhD. And I actually started, um, you know, I'm a woman and I actually started studying women. I was really curious about women's sexual desire. We know that women have um, complexities around their desire. Um, you know, it's elusive. It can be low. We're trying to figure out how women can increase their desire in a lot of situations. We right. talk about the role of motherhood, stress, um, as women age, menopause, there's all these things that right, we're right. so comfortable talking about um, the complexities of women's sexual desire. Um, partway through my research, I started to kind of wonder, I was like, we're doing a lot of comparing here. We're saying that women's desire is complex in comparison to men's desire, which is not, we had a lot of assumptions. We we're were Absolutely. Is high constant, unwavering, simple surface level and I just couldn't help but ask is that actually true like if we were to talk to men in a more research-based setting and say how accurate are these stereotypes what is your true experience I was wondering what men would say um and so I conducted um what we call like a grounded theory-based yep. <laughs> research projects, so not really going in with many assumptions, just asking open-ended questions um, to men who identified as heterosexual in the context of relationships, because I was particularly curious how this plays out um, when men and women are you know, together for a long period of time.
2: And that's a perfect caveat to add, because it is Absolutely. a different thing in the beast of what married life and desire is, or committed relationship and desire is, versus singlehood and desire.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of the stereotypes we have about men, in fact, come from that, from men who are say that college age sample that we're so used to seeing in research, 18 to 25, younger, dating, maybe just looking for a hookup. Um, And so the thing is, that's a small pocket of the population when, you know, push comes to shove and so (laughs) What happens when men turn 25, 26, 30, 40, 50, 60, when they're married, when they have kids, when they've got jobs, when they've got responsibilities, that is a huge part of our population. And we're just not talking about it because we're only talking about what. Yeah. some men, or maybe even most men experience for that small part of their lives.
2: So, so what did you find when you, when you kind of went into this with as little assumption as possible
1: mm-hmm. and you started
2: trying to hopefully find the men that would be honest and not the bravado machismo. Oh no, I am always raring to go when in yeah. reality, no, there's a depth to there. There's a, there's a complexity to there. What did you find?
1: Well, and it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, with the interviews that I did, um, a lot of the interviews started with the things that might fit into more of those stereotypes. So, you know, it was very common for men to start by saying, oh, yeah, you know, I have a high sex drive or I want sex more than my like female partner. Um, You know, I've never really met a woman who has, you know, more of a drive than I have. And so I was like, "Okay, well, that's interesting, you know, and started kind of asking, you know, the thing that's nice about talking to someone for over an hour is you get to move past that first Right into some of the more complex, um, nuanced parts of their experience. Right. So, you know, what started to happen is that well, there was some of these holes that started getting poked in this narrative of always being in the mood. Right. Okay. So the first thing that men would start saying is, um, you know, in general would be along the lines of like, Oh, well, you know, I guess I've said no to sex if, you know, I've been sick or if I'm tired, you know, mm-hmm. things that are pretty understandable, right. It's been a long day. It's just, I can't really get up the energy. Yep. Um, But as I started asking more questions, I felt like men were kind of being increasingly open about how sometimes they actually felt that there was pressure to be in the mood for sex, that sometimes they felt um, that there was this kind of masculinity, um, you know, narrative that, you know, to be a real man, you always have to want And it really um, confronted them these times where they felt that their desire wasn't as high as it used to be. And so particularly when talking to men who are in their 30s and 40s, it existed with men in their 50s and 60s. But I feel like there was kind of that turning point for men in their 30s and 40s who were like, whoa, 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 it wasn't that long ago that my desire was high. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's not still somewhat high, right? It's not to say that men's desire is, in fact, completely low all the time. It's not necessarily showing. Exact opposite of the stereotype that we've had, but it's just to say, yeah, you know, when men have jobs that they're going to and they work these long hours, and if there's financial responsibilities that they feel are on their um, on their backs, or if there's you know things that have to get done around the house and a relationship right. tending to, and pets and animals and things that they're just saying you know what, sometimes I'm not in the mood. Sometimes I want to say no. Sometimes I worry what my female partner would do or how she would respond if I wasn't in the mood. So that's kind of the thing that started to like, okay, you realize I was like, there's more going on. Yes, there is. Um, Yeah. And, And so the next thing I started asking men about was, you know, what helps you feel more in the mood? And what kind of things decrease your sexual desire? Okay. Um And what started to kind of happen there is that men started to share that there was a lot more that they desired through sex and what they got from sex than what we typically talk about. Um, so some of the things that just stand out, we can kind of, you know, take this conversation wherever you see fit. Um, but men talked about how they felt that there was really this idea that they were the ones who should be the dominant, powerful person during sex, the one who initiates, the one that makes their female partner feel desired, um, that they're the ones who do the pursuing. Right. And what I started to hear from men in my research is that they really wanted to kind of break free from this mold. They didn't necessarily mind initiating. Sometimes they liked telling their female partner that she looked beautiful or sexy or kind of leaning in for a kiss, but they got kind of tired from always doing that. And right. when I asked what them feel the most um, sexual desire themselves. Um, almost across the board, men would tell me that when they felt their female partner made them feel desired in return. It's a um,
2: fundamental thing in it that we want to be desired.
1: Yeah, and yet it kind of—I think we have to acknowledge that it goes against the grain. I mean, women in our society are told. Um, you know, implicitly and explicitly that our bodies are sexualized. You know, women spend a lot of money, you know, doing their hair and their makeup and their clothes and looking desirable. Right. Um, And men are the ones who do the looking and the wanting and the pursuing. Right. Uh, But, you know, men are are sharing with me throughout my research and clinical practice that they want to be told by their female partner that they look good. They like compliments about their appearance. That makes them feel wanted that makes them feel like their female partner cares about them it increases their sexual desire and in the absence of that men talked about how not only did they doubt their sexual attractiveness or their female partner's attraction to them but it also kind of could take a toll on their self-esteem and their self-worth so it went far beyond the bedroom sure um and so I thought that was just a really interesting finding because I don't think we give a lot of um space for men to say that that they want to be wanted in return um, and have like women even initiate things that aren't even sexual. Like, I think that's what kind of struck me is so interesting about it. It wasn't just that men wanted more sex. Like, right. at least that's what's interesting to me, you know, having a female partner initiate sex or tell them that they look good. But men were saying that they just wanted their female partner to even like rest her head on his shoulder or be the one to lean in for a kiss or yeah. give him a massage. and just kind of identifying how uncommon that was in a lot of heterosexual interesting.
2: Okay. Yeah, because this is, this is what I think of, Sarah, is, you know, at Sexy Marriage Radio here, We, I frame higher desire, or lower desires, kind of like what you're describing. And in mm-hmm. and, and a majority of relationships, the man is the higher desire in comparison to the woman. And neither one is right or wrong. It's just a comparative continuum just to try to help make sense of the dynamic, right? Because I don't, I don't believe in matched desires. I think one of you wants something more than another that's just a reality of every topic. Mm -hmm. So the struggle I hear framed a lot that goes into this stereotypical cultural societal myth that you're, that you're uncovering is, well, if a woman were to be a little more overt, desiring, expressive, something like that affection to a husband that goes straight into the, well, he, all he's going to want then is just to respond and want more sex. And, you know, it's just going to open the floodgates. But what you're describing is what a man really wants is that, you know, there's there's a level of a man, and I'm, I'll own this too. Absolutely, I like to feel desired. That's a human mm. thing. Mm. Then it comes down to, does that mean... Sex has to happen. Does you know, so how do we start changing the language almost, right? That it's that that goes against the whole any kind of sexual touch or overture means sex has to happen rather than what if it's just part of the language between a relationship too, between the the spouses.
1: I think that's so critical and something that I see and work with a lot of couples in my clinical practice is creating space for gestures of intimacy and romance and things that can be sexual in nature, but not necessarily lead to sex. So that there is more, um, maybe safety or, or confidence in being able to reach out. Right. Um, you know, but again, as much, I mean, we can like when our partner, you know, makes the move and it leads to sex. That's fun. But we also want sometimes that it is just cuddling or it's just a makeout session on the couch, or it's just a compliment or a kind of playful, Right. Um, you know, smack on the butt as you walk by the kitchen or yep. what have you, right? So it's it's about kind of having that um, that dialogue and saying it's important to create all of these pieces in our relationship and it's not always leading to sex. Um, I can't tell you how many women I work with. I'd be curious if you have a similar experience who, um, who do exactly kind of like what you were suggesting that they are worried about initiating or kind of being affectionate or even giving a kiss because they think that if we start with a kiss, it's going to turn into a makeout session. It's going to turn into yep. someone, you know, unbuttoning, you know, zippers and all that kind of yep. stuff. And then we're having sex. And it's like, well, if I don't want to have sex, then I don't want to give you the impression of any of those yep. other.
2: Don't even dip, dip your toe in the water near it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And yet so many people say that that's actually what they're missing. And if they had more of those kissing and flirtatious moments, they might be more sexually interested. So it's about really fostering space for that in a relationship in addition to the sexual activity.
2: Okay. Yeah. Cause I I see the same kind of thing. And I also think of it in the route I go with the clients is to recognize, okay, you're saying no by not even initiating it.
1: So Mm -hmm.
2: what if being able to say no as is moved down the line a little bit? You yeah. can initiate it. And if you're not interested in going past point B, fine. <laughs> At least it's moving closer rather than not even getting in the pool.
1: Absolutely. And I think just so many people want to know that their partner still expresses or right. feels that interest, right? And for them to be able to see it and feel it in those more tangible ways helps reassure us that there's, the love is still there, the passion is still there. Right. And that doesn't always have to be sexual activity.
2: Perfect. So what uh, what are some of the other, because I, mean, I know, it it sounds like what you found is there's the side of men that aren't talked about that mm-hmm. that it's if you just lump them all up in the societal um norm quote unquote as far as the way it's per- portrayed um that there's a depth there's a depth and a complexity that that matches and it rivals a woman's you know the woman's mm-hmm. gets more glory in the sense of it's talked about more yes. but but there's the same kind of thing happening and the other part of the human species, the males. So what else so, did you find?
1: Yeah. So another, um, you know, a, a finding from the research, uh, that I did was, um, you know, I was, I was kind of curious about how important, um, you know, these more physical or visual sexual cues were for men, because okay. we talk about being, you know, kind of surface level in that, right. We talk about, um, you know, heterosexual men, at least, you know, kind of being attracted to like low cut blouses or short skirts and, you know, that physical appearance, Yep. Um, And I was just kind of wondering, like, you know, how important is that really? And where does that fall in terms of this overall importance of men's sexuality? Um, And the thing that I thought was really interesting is men were very forthcoming about liking those types of things, right? They they would often talk about their female partner, you know, when she wears something that's a little revealing or sexually um, suggestive, that that, that's very appealing to them. Right. But what I thought was really interesting through uh, my research is that men were very clear about that's only so important. What I'm really looking for is that more emotional connection i want to feel close you know initiating sex or wanting to have sex was so often described as this bid for emotional connection through physical touch okay and so i thought it was really interesting it's it's again it's not to say that men don't like the visual visual side right that's it's right. not kind of saying that's not the case right but i feel like our conversations around men's sexual desire kind of stop at that point and i think that's what's detrimental okay. um so talk about this physical gratification. you know i'm just turned on because of you know, um, you know, some cleavage or or what have you. And i talk to a lot of women in, in my clinical practice who actually find they're not in the mood when they believe that that's what their male partner is after. He just wants sexual gratification. He just wants the physical side of sex. It's not about me. I just happen to be the closest person or the only socially appropriate person to have sex with. And that doesn't make anyone feel very good. Right. Of course, but what the men in my research were describing is that you know they wanted to have sex to feel close. That it was actually a really vulnerable experience for them to initiate sex because they wanted to feel close to their female partner. Again, the responsibilities of initiation are so yeah. much more fully on their shoulders, yeah. and so if they want to feel close. They have to do it, and then they're kind of waiting. They're like, "Are you going to say yes? Are you going to say no? Are you going to reject me?" Right. I think women can relate to how hard it is to have lower desire than a male partner, and um, you know, the guilt and worry they have when they say no or feeling bad that they're not meeting their partner's needs. Right. But just as much, I mean, men are saying like, I don't know if you want me in return. Like I'm making it clear that I want you on a pretty regular basis. Right. And I'm not necessarily getting that. And so that rejection piece um, really came out pretty strongly in my research. Men were talking about how detrimental sexual rejection was for them, yeah. how much it hurt them. It made them question their, you know, their attraction, their self-worth, whether the partner was interested in them, not just sexually, but as a partner, Right. Um, you know, it kind of hit on all these levels. And, and so that really struck me because I think we talk about how, you know, well, men are, are the ones who initiate and they must be used to rejection. It can't hurt that much. And it really, it, it really stuck with me and continues to stick with me how much sexual rejection hurts for men. Yep. Not to say that women should say yes all the time. That's not the point. Absolutely. But it's just, There's a lot more emotions being um, experienced with these sexual interactions, um, again, than we've been typically talking
2: about. Right. I mean, I I almost hear it. Tell me if this metaphor that's going on in my head lines up with what you're describing, because I almost Mm -hmm. hear it as if you take the prototypical uh, college kid, young, young man, adult, that's that's coming out of adolescence, hopefully, and, and moving into the adult world and a productive member of society there's the emphasis on um, the parts. That's where you're talking about the low-cut dress, the, the short skirt, the flowing mm-hmm. things, the, the alluring presentation. Yeah. And then my experience is, as I've gotten into my 40s, approaching 50s, and other people I talk to that are similar and that have been in a long-term relationship, those parts and the allure matter. But what matters more is who those parts are attached to.
1: Absolutely. That it's Absolutely. that it's
2: it's a you know I've even said on the show in the past that there's a level of sex that matters where you are just having sex with the genitalia, but if mm-hmm. you're talking about married sex being really good, you're having sex with the person that genitalia is attached to.
1: Of course, and it's all parts: the head, right. the heart, the right. body, all of that, right? And and again, it's it, I really want to be clear here: there's there's nothing wrong with liking the physical side of Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Or- or liking the physical gratification that you get from sex, like sex should feel good. Yeah. And men often say, I like when my partner puts on lingerie. But the thing is, it always in my research, at least it kept coming with this caveat, which is the lingerie is nice for the physical, but it's more that, Oh, she put an effort because she cares about me. She's putting effort into our relationship. She's doing something because she knows I would like it. And that feels good. Right. And so I just think it's so important to, to talk about those extra layers, right? Okay. We know the physical side, we know the physical side, but it does go so much deeper than that. Um, and I think men are being kind of shortchanged when we don't acknowledge that. And yes. I think women are being kind of shortchanged because again, like I said before, I, I've, you know, even this week I, I met with a female client who talked about how, you know, she really believes that all her male partner wants is sex. So she kind of consents to having sex with him, but doesn't go in with her sexual needs really at the forefront because it's kind of like, oh, it's just about you. You just want to have that sexual experience. It's not about connecting with me. Right. And so she misses this whole opportunity to have a really intimate moment with her partner um, because of believing some of those negative. Yeah. And that's
2: that's interesting you say it that way, Sarah, because that just for whatever reason it triggered a client, which then has I've got multiples of that that have had a similar that it's not talked about where it's men that they're they're well into life so they're in their 40s or 50s mm-hmm. and they're with a wife that they've been with for a while you know so you're talking long term life financial stories is got a lot of layers to it cuz i love your frame of there's layers to this whole thing mm-hmm. and and i love it cuz one of them early on in my counseling world uh, was talking about, yeah, all this, something woke up and triggered in my wife sexually. Now all of a sudden mm-hmm. she's so much more interested, almost daily even. And I can't keep up, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a totally throwing him off on like, I don't, I can't perform that yeah. often. I can't, you know, and it's just this whole, oh, this is really cool we're talking about some real stuff here. Right. And so just being able to one, him start to acknowledge it and then to bring that to her changed the depth of what they were dealing with and it changed yeah. the depth of what they could how they could find solutions because now all of a sudden they started getting into this is not just an act this is an experience of each of us together
1: absolutely and I mean on that it, it you know if I can keep going with it is there is this idea that men's desire isn't just high but it should be higher than women right and while a lot of men identify that way and say you know my experience is that I've got a higher sex drive than a female partner and a lot of women can say you know what I've got lower sexual desire than my male partner what we know from the research is that actually there's a lot more variation than that kind of stereotype and it's interesting to question where um like you know our social norms that we've been raised with is that men have been given a bit more freedom to be sexually expressive you know to say that they have sex to you know, um, to initiate, to to like it, to have more sexual partners when they're dating. Women are taught, you know, to be a good girl. You don't do that. You don't embrace your sexual desires. And so it's interesting because when we actually look at some of the findings, there's a lot of women, you know, I guess it goes against the grain of what we talk about, but there are a lot of women who do have higher sex drives than their male partners. But because it goes against that norm, women sometimes tone it down or tuck it away or don't show it. And I've noticed that there's actually a really detrimental um, dynamic that can show up because a lot of women believe that men should always want sex. So if she has an interest and he doesn't, they take it personally. It's like, oh, you're not attracted to me or what's wrong? Is there something wrong with our relationship? And men can internalize that of like, oh, my gosh, she wants sex. I should also want sex. Why aren't I getting an erection? Why aren't I in the mood? There must be something wrong with me. Right. I mean, we're into lots of judgments, lots of problems, when really what we're talking about is just normal variation between men and women. Yeah. Uh, And it doesn't have to be a problem. There's, I think, a lot of normalizing that can be done, but we interpret it because these stereotypes are so pervasive that when everything goes against the grain, we kind of, you know, alarm bells sound.
2: Right, and you even touched on it, and this is kind of a good way to land this conversation. You even touched on that a woman that when she's all of a sudden the variation puts her in the higher category and Mm. he's not responding and she's what's wrong with me. I don't understand, you know, all of this kind of issues that can come up. Well, that's the same thing. Your research is finding. It sounds like that men are saying that that (laughs) there's this element of hold on. I've still, you know, I, I do believe this is my own experience, There's a resolve that can happen with, okay, I know I'm going to strike out as the higher desire more, you know, it's going to happen. I'm going to get rejected, but Mm -hmm. it still doesn't make it enjoyable. It still doesn't make me, you know, go bounding to the plate again, (laughs) ready, ready to see what kind of pitches I get thrown. There's still an element of, ah, so it's just, I guess if nothing else to say, how do we take some of the different myths that we've bought or been sold? Mm-hmm. And and start to see it as okay wait my experience on my on this dilemma whether I'm the male or the female mm-hmm. my experience is not too dissimilar from what my spouse's experience is if you get to the yeah. deep core of it.
1: Mhm. And that's what I think is important to make space for is you know I I know there's kind of a back and forth men and women are so different or you know a little bit of backlash against men and women are the same it's like I think it's important to talk about our similarities and our differences. Absolutely. I just think We're so much more used to talking about these differences and there's a lot more commonalities um, that I think can actually make us feel a lot closer if we could acknowledge and kind of question whether those stereotypes are true or whether that really fits for our our authentic experiences. Well,
2: thank you so much for the courage to, as a woman, to dive into the world of men, Sarah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for your uh, kind words.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, tell, tell people in the Sex and Marriage Radio Nation how they can find more about you, pick up your book, uh, and then any other, any other things that you've got that, that they would benefit from.
1: Yeah. So again, my name is Dr. Sarah Hunter-Murray. Um, I've got a website, sarahuntermurray.com, that has information about um, uh, my book. Uh, it's called Not Always in the Mood, The New Science of Men, Sex and Relationships. Um, I write for Psychology Today, a blog called Myths of Desire, and I'm on Twitter at Sex Dr. Sarah.
2: Perfect. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for the work. And and the willingness to, to just research and see where that goes. I love that because I think that sets such a better precedent than just the fad, here's 50 ways to whatever, and here's the three <laughs> keys and blah. You know, It's like, no, 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 let's get into the weeds of what's really going on and let's start talking about that. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: I find it fascinating, Pam, that this is something that is kind of like the way you led our, our show today with this idea that um both genders of our species are complicated well yeah <laughs> we are right in, in some regards men kind of come across as oh we're pretty simple i mean i actually had a client say when it comes to regarding sex it's like it's kind of like a dog if every if every so often you just rub my belly I'm good for a while, right? Okay. (laughs) And that's a simplification.
0: If only life were that simple, right? And it's not. Because it's not just about sex. It's about so many other things in our life and relationship.
2: Exactly. Because we all face rejection and pain and disappointment and frustration uh, in this world and in relationships. Mm -hmm. So this has been a fun dialogue to explore it through a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah. So this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day again to spend it with us wherever you are, whatever you've been doing. We hope to see you again next time. Mm -hmm. Have a great rest of your week.